Good morning, and the conversation begins here on 94 WIPL Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon, and it's a beautiful day out there. It's going to be hot. Almost feels like Florida. Florida with all of the heat and none of the fun of Disneyland, or Disney World, excuse me. So, no matter where you go today, take 94 WIP with you. Always good conversation here. Now, moving on to today's show. What a week it's been. Donald Trump and Twitter, North Korea, Syria, India, Venezuela, ISIS, Trump going to meet Putin, all kinds of good stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about when we come back in just a bit as we welcome back our spin doctor extraordinaire, Bob Newman, Newman Communications. We're going to talk all these political events, Donald Trump, the story that just won't go away. All this and more coming up here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. More in just a bit. And you're listening to 94 WIP. It's conversation. My name's Peter Solomon. We had a little difficulty finding Bob Newman, but we found him. Yes. And we're going to talk Donald Trump and a whole lot more. So let's say good morning to Bob Newman. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Peter. I'm sorry technology wasn't uh, working for a few moments. Well, um, I'm glad that uh, we're connected. Yep. And if I were a conspiracy theorist, I'd say Donald Trump did it, but I won't go there. Uh, all right. It's been a busy week for President Trump, hasn't it? It, it has. And, you know, I, I want to start off by saying we're not here talking about policy. Okay. We're not here talking about, um, you know, a- anything to do with party. We're here talking today about personal behavior, and this is a subject that this week I know has has gotten support, if if not criticism, uh, criticism will say from all ends, from red and blue, from liberal and conservative, from Democrat and Republican. This is a uh, this is just so greatly concerning that you know I hope all of the you know, the the audience uh, today can find it in themselves to, to really hear that we're talking about a crisis in our country, a crisis of leadership in our country, and you know I'm, I'm going to start off by talking about uh, you know, it, not necessarily what I believe. Let's take some. Uh, let's. I'm going to read you some material that I've picked up that others have uh, have written. And the first one is the most intriguing. The president of the United it, it, and, and I'm going to go on here. The president of the United States is the most powerful person in the world. The president is a spokesperson for democracy and liberty. Um. It is, it is he who, who brought, uh, it, it is time that we brought back the pomp and circumstance and the sense of awe for that office we all upheld. That means everyone in the administration should look and act professionally, especially the President of the United States. Those words came from Donald Trump. Those words were written in a book called Crippled America. 
that he put out in 2015. It's absolutely, positively unbelievable. What I'm putting out here is we have an individual who will say one thing and do another. We have an individual who every day what he puts out there doesn't necessarily surprise anybody. The shock of what, what, uh, of what he did last week in particular with Joe Scarborough of Morning Joe, with Mika Brzezinski of Morning Joe, is at the point where Americans, where people in Congress, Senator Ben Sass, where Senator Lindsey Graham are looking, and, you know, it's difficult to use the words, but they're saying, are we dealing with something far worse here? Are we dealing with something that includes mental illness? And again, these are not my feelings. The New York Times did a great comparison this week in their editorials. They talked about um, being tough. And, you know, because the White House, in a very crude term, has asserted that they believe they should be able to bully. They use the term punch back. The term was used by Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the daughter of Mike Huckabee, a Christian evangelical, is saying we should punch back. The first lady supposedly putting out there a cyberbullying campaign, the first lady of the United States saying that when he is hit hard, he hits back harder. There's just great inconsistency. So the Times was, 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 was interesting. It said, after all, he so clearly lacks the toughness of George Washington, who once privately observed that his critics, quote, arrows never reach the most vulnerable part of me, unquote. He lacks the confidence of Dwight Eisenhower, who said when asked if he thought his press coverage was fair, quote, well, when you come down to it, I don't see what, what a reporter could do much to a president, do you? And the Times said, we're about to write this sentence. Mr. Trump lacks the grace Richard Nixon showed, at least in public. At the height of Watergate in 1973, Mr. Nixon blurted at a news conference, I have never heard or seen such outrageous, vicious, distorted reporting in 27 years of public life. But he went on to say, I'm not blaming anyone for that. Perhaps what happened is that what we did brought it about. What should Donald Trump be doing this week? Donald Trump should have been dealing and thinking about the South Korean premier coming and getting him to re reactivate the THAAD uh, missile defense system. He should have been planning for the G20 summit. Working with a woman named Fiona Hill who works at the National Security Council. She has written a book. She's written material on Vladimir Putin, on how manipulative he can be, on how he will flatter, because they're ready to go one-on-one -on -one with him next week. 
he should be looking at the killing fields of Chicago and seeing what he can do to uh, to work with uh, the the Democratic Mayor Rahm Emanuel, who's failing at stopping those killing fields. He should be talking with his Secretary of State of reuniting the Arab countries who have uh, who have pushed off Qatar, um, and it is creating a crisis in the Middle East. He should be looking at the health care bill, at what we can do, okay, to mitigate that CBO score of 22 million people who will lose health care if the Republican bill is passed, and he should be whipping up votes on health care. He instead is involved with a third-grade cyberbullying exchange. Is he trying to deflect? Is his ego so fragile? Is this instinct or, or impulsivity? Does he have an impulse control issue? Why is he obsessed with morning news uh, anchors on cable? These vicious attacks these nicknames, and once again, him playing the victim. He has not transitioned from his corporate job. He has not transitioned from reality TV star. He still uses backroom private investigators. He still orders his family, like Jared Kushner, to call Mika and Joe and say, we can stop a National Enquirer story because I have a great relationship with the owner, David Packer. If you only come here, apologize for what you've done, bad child, and promise that you won't behave like this in the future. I think, on the other hand, Peter, that he's just not intellectually capable of, the, of, of operating the office of President of the United States. Everything to him is a negotiation. Washington is laughing behind his back this week with the joke, if we send up there a single-payer health insurance bill, he'll, he'll sign it, just because he wants his name on it. During the break, congressmen are going to go back to their, to their uh, districts, and they're going to hear about it, both on the right and on the left, no one will be spared. George Will said it best on Friday on the Brian Williams show. The president doesn't know what he is talking about, he said. The president can't talk with Senator Pat Toomey, who is deep in the health care bill, trying to figure out how to save Medicaid. Toomey is taking a lead on that with potential massive cuts to Medicaid so, we, so the program will last for years. And America is going to worry when he goes one-on-one -on -one with Vladimir Putin this week. This is, this is going to be like JFK, the inexperienced versus Khrushchev, Trump versus Putin. The Putin who was the, CIA, the uh, I'm sorry, the KGB agent will come out. The Putin who is the flatterer will come out. And he's going to look for concessions from Trump, concessions to look away in terms of human rights, of what happens at the Crimea and, uh, and, and the Ukraine, of what happens when, they, when Russia assists Assad and his army to gas his people.
to look away while he's hacking democratic elections throughout the world just because he simply will flatter the president of the United States. This is day 162 of an administration, and we're talking about the president being in bed with the National Enquirer. We're not – and we're talking about the president punching back, Peter. We're not talking about policy. We're not talking about international relations. We are looking at vicious tweets, nasty nicknames, and again, him reprising a role of being the victim. Is it good for his brand? Does he motivate his base? First CNN two weeks ago, then um, and then MSNBC. Let me conclude by saying this: There's a hollow Western alliance out there in Europe. Okay, pro, pro, uh, politics is very fragile. There's a shifting balance of power in Asia. There's an impotence in government in Latin America and Africa. And as I said, the Saudis are having their own uh, their own conflicts uh, in the Middle East, and the the Saudi Iranian uh, conflict that's out there. We have a State Department run by Rex Tillerson, who on the one hand is throwing temper tantrums in the Oval Office because he can't get personnel you know put forth. On the other hand, has assigned just two personal aides who work for George W. Bush to actually run the State Department with him, a chief of staff and a policy aide who nobody can get there for at the secretary. Condoleezza Rice, the former Secretary of State, called, and it took her days to reach him, and she being the one who recommended him for the job. So all of it is puzzling. All of it is worrisome. Henry Adams said a president has a course to, to steer. I don't think this president knows what his course is. Thomas Jefferson talked about the son of progress and Ronald Reagan, the shining city on the hill. This is not what we're going through You know, Bob, at this point. It, it astounded me, Bob, that there was even criticism on the Fox network. Judge Jeanine Pirro had a few things to say. Uh, there are multiple anchors on the Fox network, especially female anchors. I'm talking about the day part, not the Fox Entertainment political at night. Ann Coulter is furious with Sean Hannity. She literally said to Hannity this week, you know what? If Trump came out as a communist, you would be a communist too. She's calling some of the Fox political entertainers into question. I want to repeat this for your audience because, you know, at times we get get some tough callers here. We are not talking here today about policy. There is much that Donald Trump can do. Peter, there have been weeks that have been constantly interrupted. When I say weeks, the weeks being energy week or infrastructure week, and they're always interrupted. But they're not interrupted by the Democrats. They're not interrupted by who the Republicans hate, Nancy Pelosi. They are interrupted because he gets in his own way 
with the with this behavior, with this early morning psycho behavior. Yes, it is psycho behavior. The president of the United States, the leader of the free world, the person who needs to be respected, A, by his own party, B, by all Americans, C, by world leaders and people throughout the world, and D, most importantly, by children. That person is on the Internet bullying someone about their appearance and constantly going after females and constantly talking about blood in the you know blood in the face blood coming out of this blood coming out of that as he did first with Fox's Megan Kelly and then he has done with MSNBC's Mika Brzezinski God help us her father the big new Brzezinski the former national security advisor only died a month ago and this is the president of the United States who says, I just want to get her down there and kick and kick and kick and create stories and be on the phone with the National Enquirer, who he's in bed with, yes, audience. They both are hanging out down there in Florida. That's where the National Enquirer comes from. West Palm Beach, Florida, the season where Donald Trump develop these relationships over the years and the sad part is he's corrupting others whether it be in his family whether it be in his administration um, at the same time the White House staff has taken to what may be no more than a 12-step philosophy at this point okay a 12-step philosophy and and this is this is factual. This has been written about the philosophy being the following. AIDS focus on changing what they can, seeking to accept what they what they cannot, and trying to keep a level enough head to know the difference between the two. Dozens of key positions throughout the federal government, like deputy cabinet secretaries, independent agency heads, and U.S. attorneys have not been appointed in part because of disagreement with the White House. Congress is still waiting to be briefed on, on strategic plans and the wars against Islamic extremism, and there is little hope of passing any of his big legislative priorities um, this summer, which he obviously didn't, and they went home. It's because he, he surprises AIDS with inflammatory tweets, with impromptu gatherings and unscheduled announcements. What did he say last week? We're just going to gut the health care program? You have Mitch McConnell over there whipping up votes. You have Paul Ryan waiting for a conference committee to come and trying to get the Freedom Caucus in line. And Trump puts out, maybe we'll just gut it. Maybe we'll just uh, uh, overthrow Obamacare, you know, and not have anything as an alternative first and force then Congress to come up with what an alternative would be. This was not what Rice Priebus thought he was going to do on a given day. This was not what Rob Porter, his, uh, his, uh, his cabinet secretary, thought he was going to do on a given day. This is not even what Stephen Banner and Stephen Miller did. They wake up to this every day. Can you see the horror in their face when they keep refreshing every day their, their phones and seeing what the latest tweet was? This is, this is a government from all ends of the spectrum. Who's, who's not in order, a government 
who's counting votes. Can I tell you about counting votes, Peter? Yes, I will. One, the Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Two, Jim Mattis, the Secretary of Defense. Three, Ben Carson, the, the HUD Secretary. Four, Rick Perry, the Energy Secretary. Five, Ryan Zinke, the, uh, the Interior Secretary. And on and on. Those votes are for the 25th Amendment, for the cabinet to vote to remove the President of the United States. And if there's anybody out there who believes that the behavior that they saw with Joe and Mika last week does not deserve that, okay, then, then, then please challenge me. Because there is no way this should be the shining example, you know, that we have seen with past presidents. We may have disagreed with policy. We may have disagreed with alliances. We may have disagreed with the direction of the country. And we may have even questioned in Nixon's case some of the, the actions that, uh, that the president was taking based on some paranoia. We are at a, high, a whole new level here in terms of Donald Trump. I apologize for going on and, and talking about what this crisis is at this point. But I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking for Republicans from one end of, of Pennsylvania Avenue at the White House to Republicans at, at the other end of, uh, of Pennsylvania Avenue. Okay, there are there are people who were involved with the Reagan administration, with Bush, with Bush Senior, and with Bush Junior, who all are horrified and believe that some type of change needs to be made for our country before some very serious damage can be done here. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Bob Newman, Newman Communications. And, Bob, we have a caller this morning. Let's say good morning to Mike on his cell phone. Good morning, Mike. Hey, how you guys doing? Bob? Hey, um, hey I, I agree with you 100%. This, this government's a chaos. This guy is shooting himself in the foot towards getting anything passed in this in his administration. It's out of control. And what worries me even more... It, we all had all the hope in the world, despite you know how he came into it. So, you know, this is not this is not as you and I know together. This is not people who are against him. This is people who are hurt most are the ones who really believed, okay, that we could change healthcare, that job you know that jobs could be put into place, that infrastructure could be redone. You're right. He's a snake oil salesman, and, I, and the only thing I hope he actually passes is the infrastructure deal. But he's only doing that because I think he does want it. I don't know about Trump. I don't even think he wants to be in the presidency to be in the, for the good of being the president. I think his motives are all even wrong, and he obviously can't take any criticism. He blows himself. He shoots himself in the foot weekly with what he says. And I worry about these people that can still rationalize that he's a good president, that are still behind him, because there's still a lot of people that are. I just don't get it. There's so much partisanship in this country right now. It's not good, and it worries me. And I think Trump is, is, is a wild card, too. I mean, he's better than Kim Jong-un, a little more stable than that. But you know what? I don't know. You know, one of the... 
You know, the interesting part is I'm going to take a very strange direction here since we've gone through yeah, all the I love it. Yeah. But one of one of the uh, the problems has really been that the the other side, you know, that the Democrats, that the liberals, that the progressives, okay, uh-huh. a they don't have a narrative, but b there's such interesting information out there now on really what what President Obama had done to the party. Not in terms of being a leader, not in terms of his administration um, being, uh, you know, uh, passing legislation and and him being dignified, but more as the party. Um, General public and, and, perception uh, uh, of the Democratic Party, you're saying Obama made it take a hit. Well, no, no, I have to tell you something interesting. You know, I've listed for Peter the amount of seats, well over a thousand, between Congress, between the Senate and state legislatures and governments that were lost during the Obama administration. I saw this quote this week where it said, for Obama, the DNC was like his ATM, said an ex-party chair, Democratic Party chair. He didn't put resources into local parties unless it was for his re-election effort. Um, and and the, the, the insinuation that... Yeah, that's not spreading the love. Yeah, yeah the insinuation that, that the foundation of the Democratic mm-hmm. Party was really destroyed under Obama, um, and therefore, they are languishing too. It amazes me that during a well, yeah, time... Vote... In... Say again? I'm sorry. No, I mean, obviously, the public was so in demand, is so in, in craving a change from the Obama administration, we voted a nutbag in. Well, exactly. You, you're right. It, it, it ama- and it amazes me that during I don't understand it. I don't understand. A, a I don't time with this guy's imploding, the Democrats can't even get on top of it. They literally have a leader, and I don't mean to to be disrespectful. A leader in Nancy Pelosi, who doesn't even say his name correctly. She mentions Bush as him often, and. I mean, that party and, – and Tom Perez is not the right person. He's using the F word out there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, They're not and, helping and, themselves and, at all. No, not at all. So this is a bigger problem across the board, which is you are right. The Democrats enabled the, uh, the country and the Republican Party in part to bring in an individual like this, and now they don't know yeah. how to – to escape it and to develop yeah. some type of narrative sure. that's not self-centered as President Obama, they believe, had. Um, would we be better off back then? I think we would. I mean, I like to I look at too. it through the international relations realm and to see mm-hmm. how those are seeing us. Maybe not in areas like Russia or Israel or or where, where Obama had conflict, but many areas throughout the world are horrified. I mean, honestly, if you're the South Korean president standing up at the podium next to the president and he's getting asked about these bad tweets, I mean, this is or <laughs> shouldn't that, even that, that, happen. that happened. We shouldn't be discussing the, this. Exactly. That's that happened thing. with the Canadian yeah. premier, too, when he was up there. That happened with on Monday of this week with Prime Minister uh, Modi of, of India. You know, I mean, that's the crazy thing. When they put Trump on a teleprompter like they did with South Korea this week. He's right. fine. Okay. When yes. they wind yeah, they, him well, they up. Yeah, they can keep him in line. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Don't when let they him wind him up and tell him what to do. But he doesn't listen to Kellyanne Conway. He doesn't listen to Rice Priest. Does he listen to he anyone? He doesn't even listen to Stephen Bannon. Do you know at the he state listen to anyone. He was the guy who was never told no, right? 
Right. At I the mean, really? Dep- I, I told uh, you about the destruction of the State Department. He honestly yes. believes, and if you go to the George Wilson and others who now work for MSNBC, they will tell you that he believes Jared Kushner is the de facto Secretary of State. You brought up an interesting point, caller. You said, I don't even know if it's necessarily going to be – it's his uh, – I don't even know if it's his party that uh, or his that he's looking after our country. Okay, there are many out there yeah. who believe he's simply here to enhance the Trump brand, which includes the Kushner well, I, brand. I, 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 unfortunately, I believe that. I have a gut feeling about it too. His to feed his ego and to feed his brand and to keep everything going. He's Trump. He, it, that worries me. And, and he's not fit to run. The, he's, he has no government experience on any level at all. And he okay. wants to run it like a dictator. Mike, and unfortunately, you see where it's getting it. Mike, unfortunately, we got to move on. So thank you for calling. Thank you, Mike. Bye. Yes. And you're listening to Conversation. My guest is Bob Newman, Newman Communications, spin doctor extraordinaire. And we have another caller. Let's say good morning to Richard. Richard from the Northeast. How you doing? Fine. You know, you're right when you describe your friend as a spin doctor because all I see is one side. Nobody talks about the Broadway plays where they kill Trump. It's, that started from the moment he ran. And frankly, all you do is read leftist newspapers and listen to media. I see both sides, and therefore I will support Trump. I will continue to support Trump. You guys were so upset for one reason— of all the people running in the Republican Party, and that includes even uh, the best, the nicest people in there, all missed one point. The most important thing why Trump is in the office is because of illegal immigration. I, that's the only reason I can think everybody hates Trump, because honestly, they all loved Trump when he, before he ran, but as soon as he mentioned that one topic, and by the way, nobody else ever said, hey, that might be a winning strategy. Let me incorporate it in my uh, uh, political campaign. None of them did. That's why. That's the only reason you leftists hate him. And I want to say good morning to Hank. Hank, your question or comment, please. Hey, what's going on, gentlemen? Uh, um, thanks for having me on the show. Um, Thank you. Uh, Bob Newman, I agree with you one billion percent. Um, you are hitting it on the nose. Uh, at, at this point, um, I'm going to be honest, I, I only support Trump because I, I, I hate everything he's doing, but I support Trump because I don't want my president to fail. Um, I didn't vote him in, but I don't want him to fail because he's leading our country. So when he fails, we fail. So I, I want him to turn around. But the thing about it is, um, I'm scared, man. Uh, this, this is the worst it's ever been. Um, people can come on here and talk about how or the only reason uh, people hate Trump and all. Man, listen, he's making people hate him. No one, it's him. He's doing it. You got a president that's being treated like an infant. He's, he got to, they got to take his phone away. His daughter got to take his phone from him. De- delete his Twitter accounts. He's a grown man. And, and he's more interested in Twitter than the, the war that we have going on right here on our land. You know, the only remedy for this is bipartisanship. 
That's the only remedy. And you know what? What he's doing right now is creating separation. So it will never be that. You know, he, he's a smart man when it comes to that. But he's the dumbest president I've ever seen in my life. Um, and he's, he, he, honestly, he, he's so close to bringing all of us to, uh, there's about to be a nuclear destruction amongst our people in this country. I don't care what race, but our people, the American people, regardless if you came from another country or not, people can come here and talk about immigration all they want, but America as it stands is weak. We are as weak as that we've ever been in this because of Donald Trump. When Obama was in, in the chair, you know, we didn't have these type of, of, of issues. I mean, we still had them, but come on, man. There's more separation now than ever. So, Bob Newman, I agree with you 100%. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. This guy's just in there. Honestly, I think he's the only reason why I think he's president is to promote his business. That's, that's an, and that's another trophy on his thing. Like, come on, he's, he's, the, he's, he's richer than rich. I mean, he's wealthy. So what, is, what else does a man need? I mean, he could go ahead and say I was the president of the United States. But other than that, man, I, Bob Newman, you are doing a great job. I appreciate um, what you're saying. You're saying what a lot of people are scared to say, and it takes a lot of uh, cojones from you. I agree with you 100%, and thank you guys so much for having me. My pleasure. Peter, thank, thank you, Hank. Peter, to, to acknowledge the caller before, sure, th that he has got tremendous negative press. To acknowledge that Joe and Mika, you know, have said very rough things over time, you know, calling him names, calling, you know, uh, on his, uh, his, his intellect and such, okay? Joe Scarborough should be ashamed of himself. Joe Scarborough should be embarrassed by himself. Do you know what Joe Scarborough did? When the president made fun of Serge at the New York Times based on his disability, Joe Scarborough laughed at it on MSNBC. I'm not turning towards that. What I'm trying to say is it all is bad out there with people. I mean, it's all funny out there with people until the president takes it to them personally. So I get the negative that two callers ago talks about. I also get the immigration piece. But the immigration piece was a brilliant marketing piece by Stephen Bannon and Stephen Miller to scare the American public. Is it accurate in some cases? Sure. Kate's law should go into effect as a result of what happened to Kate Steinle when she was walking with her dad in San Francisco. Sure. This is not what we're talking about here. And for two callers to go to question, what's his name, to question even, you know, uh, what's his name, talking about liberals aside from their, their, his crude comment about a religion, I will tell you this. I have worked bipartisan my entire life, left and right, red and blue, uh, Democrat and Republican. I have worked for the Wall Street Journal editorial page, which is some perceived to be right wing, but is now terribly concerned about this president. Worked for Robert Bartley when he was editor, for John Fund when he wrote there, for Melanie Kirkpatrick, and even for Dan Henniger, who is there now. We worked in, in conjunction at times with both the Progressive Magazine at our firm, but we also worked for the National Review at times. Not that we're political whores and are just going to work for everybody, but there were issues that we believed in and strong spokespeople for their issues who deserved to get out there. So definitely not liberal, uh, definitely not conservative. We are very moderate here. What we are more importantly, what Peter is, what I am is, analysts, journalists, talk people 
who are concerned for our country, who are concerned for the people of Philadelphia, of, of, uh, of the people of southern New Jersey, concerned for, um, for those out there, uh, for our country in terms of international relations. And as I said earlier, concerned, very concerned, time and time again, day after day, worried about looking at the tweets in the morning that we have a president okay, who's been looked upon by senators, by congressmen on the right side as being a president who has a mental health issue and a president who's putting out an example to our children that it's all right to bully. And it's especially all right to bully that one group that this president seems to be frightened of, accomplished, strong American women. Hey, we have another caller this morning here on 94 WIP. Let's say good morning to Mike. Your call or your comment, please. Morning. Uh, so first, I just wanted to say I was uh, very horrified that the gentleman wanted to blame an entire religion for leftist views on the illegal immigration. So I'm Thank sorry you. you had to deal with that. Um, but I do partially, I mean, I agree. So I'm a libertarian. So I agree with some of what you guys are saying. I disagree with some of what you guys are saying. Um, the things I think we can focus on, like I think Trump's tweets are absolutely horrible. Someone should just convince the CEO of Twitter to block his accounts, and that would make everyone's life here, a lot here. better. Um, but as far as everything else, if if we need legislation passed, he is not blocking legislation. Congress is failing to pass legislation that is meaningful, which is an issue. I really believe that the president is flexible with the legislation, and if even they passed something he wasn't super happy about, he would still sign it into law. So I think as far as the budget goes, as far as um, change, fixing health care system, whatever it may be, I feel like Congress is failing with that, not the president. Um, I believe that – sorry, you go, go ahead. You know, no, caller, I was going to ask you because I think it's an interesting point, and, and I'm, I'm not debating back. It's just to ask you, do you think that – he, he, he hurts the, the energy of legislation and getting in things done and all, uh, number one, by these tweets. And number two, do and, and this behavior. And number two, do you think that he has the strength, the gravitas, and the intellectual capability to support Congress in terms of this legislation, to talk it through, to find solutions, or – you know, and, and and are there people in this administration who do? Because I may agree with you that there is terrible gridlock that is going on in Congress and incompetence on both sides of the aisle, and thereby, you know, I really do respect where you stand in terms of libertarian. I've spent years uh, also working with Cato at times. But the, the, the president does have to be a the leader of the party and be the leader of the country to t to unify and drive these type of programs. And I see just like with the international, just like with being there with the South Korean premier, I see that what he's doing on a given day draws him away from the good work that he could do. Uh, and I see your point, but the, the, the thing that I, that I see is I don't think he, even if he were a very influential, uh, positive president who is unifying the party, I don't think he could fix the issues in Congress right now. Because if you look at it, 
when Obama was president, they were able to pass a complete repeal of the Affordable Care Act, easily able to pass it, because they knew it wouldn't pass because the president would veto it. Now they have control of both both parts of uh, Congress plus the presidency, and they can't even come to an agreement on uh, basically just a change of the Affordable Care Act is what this is coming out to be, uh, shifting of the numbers and such to get whatever results they want. And I think that's just simply because of, of politics. You have the, the Tea Party Republicans that want a complete repeal, and then you have more moderate Republicans who don't want to be put on blast by their constituents for losing coverage. Um, so they don't want to be responsible for it. So I think, I think you just, I, I think it really comes down to just simply Congress. I, I, and I, I do agree, though, that President Trump isn't helpful uh, necessarily when it comes to that. But I feel like he doesn't, he wouldn't have to be helpful in order for Congress to do their job. Well, but Congress me, is simply not doing their job. Let me ask you a question, Mike. I recall other presidents, and they had policy ideas, desires for pieces of legislation. They would propose a bill and send it to Congress to think about it. I'm not sure what Donald Trump has sent to Congress in terms of policy issues. I'm fuzzy on that because I don't think he has sent much of anything. Bob, do you know of anything that he sent to Congress? Yeah, you know, I I think the callers have been and, and you have been right here to say when it when it's come to the health care bill it has been designed first in the senate then in the in the freedom caucus then in the tuesday group uh in the house and then in the senate side it has been designed by a you know by, by senator so he hasn't sent that up the infrastructure bill which you know we've talked about billions being thrown into or trillions being thrown into has become just an investment you know vehicle for corporate at this point so there really has not been a bill there either um, there hasn't been any type of other jobs uh, or work bill that has uh, that has gone up. So when you go to the president's accomplishments as the Republicans and even the George Wills of the world will tell you, it might be Gorsuch and nothing else uh, there. The president will say 30 or 40 bills have been passed since he has been president. These are just bills you got to pass. I mean, these are things that he has to sign to keep the workings of government going. But when you tie it back with the campaign, what he uh, campaigned on, and wonder what legislation was driven out of the White House, there's been very little, Peter, if not none. Okay. Mike, I want to say thank you, and I want to move on. Squeeze in the last caller. Let's say good morning to George. George from Fairmount. Hello, George. Hello. Hello, yes. Yeah, I need you to be as brief as possible. Well, what happens to where's Pensac, the vice president? I, I think uh, you know to to to, to answer your question uh, since we're we're right at the end. I think Mike Pence is just being as as personally political as he can, which means he's being quiet. He's standing in the background. He's he looks like a butler in some of these pictures, standing next to the president. He's attempting to support the president, to work with Congress, and he's enjoying being an international emissary far more because Mike Pence knows that he is the alternative for the party at this point, a much far more conservative 
alternatives to the party, a much far more evangelical Christian um, a, uh, candidate, if not leader for the party and conservative on social issues. Mike Pence is biding his time now, being respectful to the president. Okay, um, now listen to me. Listen to me. I understand that. But I'm, what I'm saying, I voted for Trump and Count Prince, the vice president, because he knows Washington. Why don't Trump go to him and talk to him and let Trump and let Prince guide him? Oh, I, I, caller, I, caller I, I can definitely tell you why. And I'm going to use an analogy. When Steve Bannon got on the cover of Time magazine, Trump was furious by the coverage. When Jared Kushner got on the, the cover of Time magazine, he told leaders, I think there were business leaders in this country, that my son-in-law is now outshining me. To answer the question, to close our, our interview today, ties back to the beginning. It all comes down to ego. You are right. If you are a leader, a CEO, use the best people you have, and Mike Pence is an excellent guy as it goes for that party. That's to why use. I voted for him. Right. He, Donald Trump doesn't necessarily, can't necessarily get out of the way because everything has to be about Donald Trump personally. One more thing. One more thing. Sorry to interrupt you. But nobody ever told Donald Trump no. And that's the problem. You, you, are, you are right. Donald Trump was handed the silver spoon when he was young by his father at, for buildings. Donald Trump was told all along entertainment-wise he could do whatever he wants. Donald Trump sued anybody he wanted to sue. Donald Trump didn't pay a bill if he didn't want to pay it. You are right, caller. Excellent. Donald Trump has never been told no, and he's now in an environment where occasionally people are saying no, and this is not where he came from. But he, as I said in the first line today, he hasn't adapted his management style out of being the CEO of a, of a company or out of being the reality TV star into Washington where you have to listen to the word no. Thank you. But he acts like a little kid. All right, and that's, I think, a good place to end. So thank you to um, my dear, to the caller, and I'm going to say thank you to Bob Newman, Newman Communications. It's always an exciting show when Bob's here. So thank you, Bob. Thank you, Peter. My pleasure. Have a good day. You too. And it's been another edition of Conversation here on 94 WIP. My name's Peter Solomon. Thank you to Phil Jackson, this morning's producer. Finally, there's nothing left to say, but... Stay tuned for WIP Sunday. See you soon.